we can build a portfolio constructed with some good name equity companies and generate dividends that, that make up that shortfall um, from the companies. Now, again, there is risk associated with it. That's not truly classified as risk-free, but I'd be willing to bet on those companies that they're going to be here for the long term. It's time to retire with confidence. Welcome to Unlocking Your Financial Future with financial advisor Ben Schrock. Welcome in to Unlocking Your Financial Future. You might have seen the, the title of today's podcast and wondered, oh man, $8 million, I need that for retirement now? That's the new normal? Well, maybe. It's a, it's a topic of conversation right now, and there's a, a blog out there, an article out there that we came across that we thought was interesting and, and thought we'd address it, maybe clear up from Ben's perspective and, and Colleen, who joins us again on the show, to talk about whether or not this this makes sense and whether or not this is accurate. Because the, the old rule was 4%. It's a new rule, 0.5%, because that'd be pretty scary if it was. So we're going to get into that quite a bit today on the podcast. Let me welcome in Ben Schrock. He's the owner and financial advisor at BA Schrock Financial Group, along with Colleen LaMasters, who's joined us for a few podcasts now. She is one of the investment advisors on the team. Glad to have you both on with us again. Yep. Glad to be back. I know we were chatting a little bit about football season, so that's that's one good thing to have back. And, and hopefully when this airs, we're still watching football. So I don't <laughs> want to jinx ourselves. We're knocking on wood over here, but uh, yeah, it's it's good to be back. Yeah, by the time this show airs, I think the Big Ten will be about kicking off or kicking off uh, this weekend. I don't know exactly where we're fall. We recorded this in September, so hopefully things, to your point, Ben, have gone smoothly. It's kind of been bumpy early on, but I think to baseball too. If you ever if you followed Major League Baseball, early in their process, it was very bumpy. A couple of teams had to sit out for you know a week at a time, but it seems like they've kind of weathered the storm and it's been pretty smooth since. Yeah. I'm hoping that that's the case for us in football. But I want to get into this conversation. I think it's going to be very interesting. But I want to get your kind of your take on this as someone that hopes to retire someday. That uh, I'm hoping that you know what we're talking about today isn't necessarily the case in terms of needing eight million. And we'll have in the show notes too, by the way. So if you want to read this this uh, article that you know we found it on uh, Market Watch, but it was on a website called The Financial Samurai. So you know take it for what it's worth, but there, he makes some good points and kind of breaks it down with some numbers and some stats to kind of give you a sense of why the old 4% rule maybe doesn't make sense anymore. And we did a, a podcast a couple of episodes ago about some obsolete planning ideas. And while this is one we had on our list, it wasn't one necessarily been that you said was completely obsolete, but let's start with just kind of explaining what that 4% rule is before we get into this new idea. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the old rule, the old 4, 4% rule said that you know, a retiree can take 4% off his or her portfolio and that's going to last them a lifetime. So um, why I say that it wasn't obsolete going back a little bit there is, is basically, you know, the way that we'll build a portfolio today and utilizing dividends, our dividends are falling right around that 4% number. Again, it's going to depend on where your entry point into the market and different factors uh, they'll come into play. But we like to, to, you know, work in between 3 and 4%. Um, sometimes we can push that maybe 35 to 4.5% depending on the risk. But um, utilizing someone's dividends. So again, if that 4% is your dividend, that's what you're getting. Um, in theory, then you should be able to, to you know, take that off as income and that's sufficient, then that will definitely last you a long, long time. Well, I did learn something new in this because, you know, reading through his his article, he did talk about where this rule was first started. And, and I didn't, I mean, we talked about it here, but I had no idea, you know, how old it was, how long it had been around. But, you know, he made a point that it was basically a group of professors kind of came up with this idea back in the late 90s when the 10-year bond yield was at 5%. And that's kind of where it all began. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting too because I always thought it was like the old Wall Street. Because anytime you always heard the 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 four percent rule, you're like, oh, it's the old broker rule, the Wall Street rule, four percent, blah blah blah. Uh, I thought it was really interesting too. You know, when they look at that, and and that's what they did. They they go back and where they they see what the bond rates are, and they're 
you're going to look at the risk-free um, rate of return, which will take out you know the Treasuries, which is is you know viewed uh, as a risk-free uh, debt instrument, the U.S. Treasury, because it's backed by the the full faith and credit of the United States government. Which every time I say that and the words come out of my mouth, I kind of <laughs> chuckle and think, is that really risk-free or not? <laughs> um, but it's supposed to be the uh, the you know an instrument that's going to give us the least amount of risk possible, and then they subtract off inflation off that to give you actual rate of return. So, uh, kind of forecasting a little bit and, and foreshadowing into what we're talking about today is it, like we mentioned in the past, interest rates are you know basically down to nothing. Um, a ten-year uh, Treasury, I think, is, uh, what 0. 0.6, 0. Yeah, 0.7 depends on the lie. day, um, and, and inflation is next to nothing. So you're subtracting that off. That's probably where he's getting his um, half of a percent. If I if I'm uh, guessing on that. Yeah, he, he kind of breaks it down uh, to you know where, how he gets to that number based on where it was when it first started to where we are now. And yeah, I mean, it's a 5% rule saying you're going to need 200 times your desired annual expenses to feel comfortable, which means basically based on the same number, if you needed you know 40,000 based off that million, that you're going to need yeah. 8 million now based on where the, the 10-year bond yield is right now. I mean, does that logic make sense to you? Oh, man, it, it, again, in, in theory, it, it does. If you look at a snapshot in time today. Now, again, Ben, let's take it into perspective. That's that's him assuming we're going to stay at 0.5% in the in the 10-year treasury for the next 30, 40 years. Um, and that would be my question to the, the author of the blog is, do you really think that's where it's going to be for the next 20 plus years? I, I'd beg to differ. So again, um, like anything, it's all cyclical. Um, it's It's going to move. But it's something that it does, it holds water. I mean, it's very interesting. It caught my attention. And, and when I first saw the headline, I'm thinking, go, oh, God, I hope my wife doesn't read this because <laughs> I might be working a lot longer. <laughs> but well, I mean, the, the idea is that, look, I mean, you're just not going to have that, I guess, the risk free rate of return, which, yeah. by the way, I mean, when I read that, I'm like, man, if I knew there's risk free returns, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, why, why aren't you putting everything you have in there? And I get to this point you know, you're not getting as much back as you were, but I just didn't even realize to begin with that there was this risk-free rate of return you can invest in. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I guess it always goes back to that, the treasuries. And that's why I said it's you know backed by the U.S. government, which again, you, you diagnose if that's risk-free or not. Everyone has going to have their own <laughs> perspective on that. We could have a whole nother podcast yeah, on that <laughs> Just one. on that alone. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, so I guess, look, the, the bond market didn't fall overnight. So it's not like, yeah. you know, anybody that's now hearing this going, oh man, I did not realize that we're now at these low, low interest rates. But so I know that you, you two have both been working with your clients probably already quite a bit on just balancing your portfolio out and not relying so much on bonds like maybe they were in 1998 when they came up with this rule of 4%. So, I mean, how, I guess just talk to me about how you've been doing this with your clients to make sure they're diversified properly to make sure they make up that difference. Yeah. So, I mean, when we're walking our client through our process, you know, that lock process that we talk so much about in our show, you know, when we're organizing that plan uh, and kind of collectively doing that as a team here, we're kind of figuring out where their income shortfall is. And then we start piecing together their assets and say, okay, they may have a million dollars saved or 500,000, whatever that number is. And then we get with Keith who does our portfolio management and say, okay, we need to find a dividend of this amount of money. So if they're short a thousand dollars a month, twelve thousand a year, okay, we need um, a four percent dividend. It takes us up to what about a half a million dollars, mm-hmm. roughly, um, is what they need in their portfolio. And then his job is to construct that portfolio with the least amount of risk possible to generate that yield that that is going to be reliable. So you know, I would argue to the the financial samurai, um, the author on that that blog there, that you know you can take you know chances in the market, like you mentioned, Ben, the risk free stuff. Why not take some risk? Well. 
we can argue today with with where dividends are in the history that some of these companies have paid dividends for. It's kind of mind-blowing. I have a sheet up in front of me. I'm going to share a few of these with you um, to say that there's a pretty good chance, even though dividends are not guaranteed, there's a pretty good chance that AT&T is going to pay a dividend next year because they have paid a dividend consecutively. That's saying not missed a year of dividends since 1893. So if you think about that for a second, that's gone through the Great Depression, through all the world, you know, the world wars, the, all the wars you can think of, right. and um, you know the the most recent financial crash and then the COVID crash, and still continuing to pay dividends. That's pretty impressive. So you know you go a, a number of these companies, Coca Cola since 1920, um, you know Exxon and Mobil 1911. So it, it is pretty alarming when you look at some of these good quality companies that have paid dividends for so long and are going to continue to pay those dividends. So again, back to what we were saying about that four percent rule, we can build a portfolio constructed with some you know good name equity companies and, and generate dividends that that make up that shortfall. Um, from the companies. Now, again, there is risk associated with it. That's not truly classified as risk-free, but I'd be willing to um, you know, bet on those companies that they're going to be here for the, the long term. Yeah, and I would guess most uh, you know, financial advisors are, are finding other ways to supplement it, you know, your retirement income other than bonds. I mean, this is, I get the idea of the 4% rule. It just to me, it seems like, I mean, how many people are actually relying strictly on those bond yields to produce what they want to. To me, it just seems like it's an outdated rule just from that sense of, hey, why are you relying strictly on this one thing? I know that you you, you mentioned you, you, know, you aren't doing that necessarily, but what are some other ways that maybe you can supplement that lost income with the yields being so low? Yeah, I mean, the other route that you can go is more the insurance route at that point. Um, you know, look at annuity type products that might provide you with a guaranteed income stream um, and kind of leverage your risk that way, you know, solve for that income gap with the annuity and then invest the rest in the market. You know, we can do something like that at that point, Ben, because um, today in, you know, off of a off of an annuity, you can get about a 6%, you know, cash flow on your money versus, you know, we're talking about pushing a 4% dividend depending on the risk mm-hmm. for the client. Yeah. And the, the the thing that the client has to understand with the annuity is that you're going to be spending down your assets. So again, back to the blog, if, if someone wants $40,000 and Colleen's saying, you know, 6%, even if we just use the a yeah. 4% guaranteed payout rate on an annuity, but they push somewhere between the 5 and 6%, depending on age. So, so there's a lot of factors. And again, that could go into a whole nother podcast in itself <laughs> talking about annuities. Um, but you could create an annuity or buy an annuity with a million dollars. And that would definitely generate you that $40,000 if you're, again, a specific age um, and guarantee you that for the rest of your life. So you don't need $8 million to generate uh, $40,000 of income. I just think that's a little bit crazy um, when, when I when I read that. Yeah. So that's, you know, our, our thought process. Yeah. I was just looking at like one of his assumptions in here. He also just used the S&P 500, which most of our clients aren't going to be invested like the S&P 500 today mm-hmm. if they're in retirement, because that's only yielding them about 1.8%. So that's definitely not going to be a retiree's benchmark in retirement. Correct. Yeah, that's a good point. I just know that, and I need you to maybe talk me off a ledge here, but I'm, I'm looking, like, just reading through this and seeing some of the charts he has in there and how things have progressed over the last 20, 25 years or so. Like, I mean, being in my late 30s, I, and anybody that's in their 30s, 40s, you know, still have a little ways to retirement maybe, it just seems like there's a lot of red flags, a lot of things to be worried about right now. I mean, is that, do you feel that way looking at kind of where we are and, and maybe where we're headed or do you have a kind of a better grasp on, okay, it's so cyclical that sure things feel that way right now, but things will kind of bounce back at some point. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think it's cyclical. I, I do think it, things are going to uh, move the other way. I think if you just go back in time and look at history, and, and you're going to find it. And I, and I also think, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in that, Ben, and, 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 you know, talking to our clients, it's easy to get focused and laser, you know, hyper-focused on one factor and, and let it let it bother you. And we'd say, you know what, let, let's look at some positives here. Interest rates at all-time lows. What, what can we do? You know, money's cheap to borrow. Like we said, let's go refinance that house. Let's free up some cash flow. Let's, you know, take some positive out of this negative situation here and, and take advantage of the time that we're in and finding opportunities to, to create wealth within your, your own household um, by maybe some outside the box ideas. Okay. So don't panic too much. Quite no. Yet. Just just sit down with somebody and get a plan in place, right? That's, yep. what, I, that's what I need to do personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I, I, talk, I preach it a lot, but I don't, I don't actually follow my own guidance a lot of times, Ben. I need to actually sit down and get a plan in place. But yeah, I mean, there's this very interesting uh, article altogether. I mean, there's some interesting things to read through and just a good look at kind of, you know, how things have changed and the bond yields and whatnot, and at least get an idea of what his perspective is. Not every, you know, everybody's got an opinion on maybe where we're headed, who knows who's right. You know, in hindsight, we'll all know who's correct and who's not, but just some things to think about there, but appreciate you both helping us kind of make sense of that and, and, and not worrying about, Hey, 8 million, you need to hit 8 million now to feel comfortable. That's not necessarily the case for <laughs> yeah. most people. Well, I'm trying to convince you so I can take this home and convince Caitlin. That, so. <laughs> yeah, just practice here and then you can take it home and you'll execute perfectly. Uh, let's get a couple of mailbag questions before we close it out uh, today on the show. We got a couple to get to. I want to start off uh, with one from Shelby who says, I'm thinking I'll, I'll spend a lot of money during the first few years of retirement and then a lot less after I've been retired for five years or so. Is that usually how it works? Yeah, you know, um, I love building plans this way, and and I think Dan is the one that calls it the go-go years when you're, you know, from like mid '60s to mid '70s, and um, where where you're able to travel and get out and do the fun stuff that you want to do in retirement. So I love building plans where it's a little bit more front-loaded and showing more income in the door because eventually, once we hit our mid '70s, it's not like life's over by any means, but things start to slow down quite a bit, and it becomes a little bit more cumbersome to travel, and you know, if you have an RV, maybe driving all the way across the country becomes a little bit harder to do, and and so you're doing less of that. So spending starts to slightly decline. And then ultimately when you get into the eighties, mid eighties, later eighties, you know, it's spending really stop, stops altogether. I don't want to say stops, but it really, really slows down because you're not able to get out and do as much as you once were. So I love building a plan that shows clients that saying, okay, it's okay to spend your money. This is why you saved. I think that's important. I think it, it's very reassuring for a client to hear that, that we don't care if they spend it. We want them to, you know, that's what they've saved for. Um, because we know that, that the spending years are going to be, um, more on the front end and we don't want to go looking hindsight. Like we, we talked about in the last episode, um, hindsight being 2020 saying, I wish I would have spent more money when I was 65. And, and now here I am 75 with all this money, nothing to do with it. So I love building a plan that does that Shelby. Um, if you want us to take a look at that, we'd be happy to, but it, it is something that I think is, is, is cool for us to show and, and do, but we also want to make sure that you're not spending it too quick too. So there, there's a balance there. So just, uh, make sure that you're aware of that. All right, we got time for one more. This one comes in uh, from Tristan, who writes, I'm in my late 50s and recently divorced, and I'm extremely worried about what retirement will look like now that I'll have just one Social Security benefit and half of my assets. Can I overcome a divorce this late in life? I would say absolutely. Um, you know, it all depends on the right planning, because um, we do see a lot of people who do get divorced in their 50s or even early 60s that sometimes just make... I want to say irrational decisions around their money. You know, like maybe they do get uh, half of their spouse's 401k in your example, Tristan, you know, you got 50% of your spouse's 401k and you cash it all out and you're only, 
you know, maybe you're not 59 and a half. So then you had a, you know, 10% penalty and ordinary income that you owed on it. So we have seen people do that. So, you know, how can we prevent you from, you know, making mistakes or either a, you know, re trying to rebuild your credit at that point, um, you know, just trying to help you along the way of, you know, how do we get you to retirement? Um, but I don't think that it's ever too late to make an adjustment. Yeah. And, I, and on top of that, I think Colleen hit the nail on the head about making irrational decisions. You know, like, like people always advise, you know, when, when you lose the loved one or death of a spouse, um, you don't want to make the, that's not the time to make decisions, you know, get clear, think with a clear head. Um, when you're just getting a divorce, it's fresh on your mind. It's probably not the best time to make knee-jerk decisions on that regard either. So take some time, think it over, talk with a qualified professional, and, and let them look at your situation and, and shine some light on it. Yeah, don't give up hope, Chris, and there is uh, some things that you can do, and that's where Ben and his team can come in and help you out, or any professional can help you out there and, and, and get a plan in place to, to make sure you feel good about uh, your future. You don't want to feel hopeless. I hate to, to hear that from you, but hopefully things will only look up for you. But thanks for the question, uh, Shelby and Tristan. And if you ever have anything on your mind, you can send it in to us. bashrock-fg.com is the website. And you can call directly 330-473-1060. Ben and Colleen, thanks again for the time. And uh, appreciate you breaking this down. I think it's a very interesting topic of conversation. And, you know, I think it just either way, wherever you, you know, if you're worried about kind of where you stand in terms of having enough money for retirement, Again, pointing people to having a plan, that's the answer really to a lot of these questions. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through B.A. Schrock Wealth Management, Inc. and A.E. Wealth Management, LLC. B.A. Schrock Wealth Management and A.E. Wealth Management are not affiliated companies. B.A. Schrock Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to safety, security, or guaranteed lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. BA Schrock Wealth Management is not permitted to offer and no statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any government agency. This podcast is a paid placement. It is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice to designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation.